Why is music so universally attractive to us? Why do we like it so much? Let me give you just a few thoughts and then we'll dig into the passage and hear more about it. But one reason, I think, is that music engages our emotions. Words by themselves engage our heads, but music, words put to music, engage our emotions and move our hearts. There's times I can just listen to a tune and just the tune itself can lead me to tears. Music engages our bodies as well. You know, a good rhythm. <laughs> it's hard to stay still, isn't it? You've got to work hard to stay still when a good rhythm is going. We're, music takes words and helps us remember them. It plants them in our brain. How many, how did you learn the ABCs? Through a song, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's how we learn things so easily. We remember things better if we put them to song. They penetrate our minds better that way. One thing that's especially powerful about music, I think, is that it bridges that gap between our heads and our hearts. You know, it's hard. We know a lot of things, but it doesn't reach our heart very well. But music is very powerful in that it's able to help us bridge that gap as you meditate on a song and the words of the song it can begin to penetrate to your very heart now that's great if the words are good but if the words aren't so good that explains i guess why gangster rap and other kinds of songs that are not good how they penetrate to the hearts of our young people and they begin acting out in ways that are unhealthy that are not good because music has that ability to penetrate from our heart to our head, to bridge that gap. But the main reason I think that music is so powerful for us is that we are built by God to worship. And music is just one aspect of worship. There's many ways to worship. We can do it through uh, declaring truth, through teaching through meditation, through prayer, through a whole variety of ways that you can worship. Music is a major part of worship, however, and I do think that we're built for that. In fact, when we look at pictures of heaven in the book of Revelation and other places, Revelation 5 in particular, I want to read a couple verses. It's a picture for us that when we get to heaven, we will be spending a lot of time singing because we're built for that. We're called to that. We're called to that kind of worship. 5.11, Revelation 5.11, I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea. That includes us. And all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So really, when we sing here, our worship, our singing to God is really just a rehearsal for heaven. What we'll be doing forever. Well, we're looking today at Exodus chapter 15. God has done an amazing miracle. He has redeemed the people of Israel. He has 
brought them out of Egypt through the ten plagues, brought them into the wilderness, brought them to the Red Sea, and then in a miraculous act of God, parted the sea, they walked across the dry land, and then the entire Egyptian army, every one of them, was destroyed as the waters came back. The enemies of Israel were defeated, destroyed forever. It was the act of salvation for Israel, one that they constantly went back to over and over and over. And what did they do to celebrate? Well, a little later, when they crossed the Jordan River, what did God ask them to do to remember? Do you remember? Pick up stones. out Twelve stones out of the center of the dry land where, that they walked across in the middle of the Jordan River. Take those stones and pile them in the land of Israel so that they would have memorial stones to remember what God had done. But here at the crossing of the Red Sea, they don't take up stones. Instead, they sing a song. And that song became part of the worship of Israel from this time forward. You see, it was their memorial stone. Because songs, again, are powerful to recount what God has done. And so God gives them a song. Why? Because worship is always the proper response to what God has done for us. It reminds us of truth. It helps us understand reality. So this song of Moses and Miriam, the song of Moses and Israel... In chapter 15, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 21. It has several parts. There's an introduction. And then you see the people led by Moses singing about God, about what God had done. Then there's a section where they're singing to God. It's a prayer to God. And as someone told me in between services, said, you know, when you, when you sing a prayer, you pray twice. So they sing the prayer to God and then at the end they recount what their confidence, their faith that God will lead them in the future as they sing to him. So let's look at this song together and let it encourage our faith in what he has done. So Moses, remember he had to teach them this song and they had to memorize it because they didn't have it written down like we did. They didn't have that kind of literacy. So they memorized it bit by bit and they talked it through. And that's why it's good to have songs ring, running in your mind, to memorize songs, to let them sink deep into your mind and into your heart. The introduction is in verses 1 and 2. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to Yahweh, to the Lord. I will sing to Yahweh, for he is highly exalted the horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. It begins this way. I will sing to Yahweh. And then later on, I will praise him. I will exalt him. Notice what we learn right from the very beginning of this song of praise. It's a commitment of the will. It's a choice. I will sing. I will exalt you. I will praise you. I think it's easy for us to fall into this mentality that somehow praise can only happen when I feel like it. 
But what we see right from the beginning is, I will praise you whether I feel like it or not. I will sing songs to you whether I feel like it or not. You see, praise, singing to the Lord, this kind of worship, is a decision to praise God. It's a choice. And it's important to engage with God and sing to God and recognize His greatness whether you feel like it or not. Because, you see, when, when you're down, when you're struggling to trust God, when you begin to sing, it begins to change your perspective. And it can, it may not necessarily, but it can change your emotions as well. So it's a reminder here, it's a choice, not a feeling. Praise, worship is a choice. And if you say, I just can't praise God today, I don't feel up to it. Well, that's not true. That's not a true statement. You may be saying, I won't praise God because I don't feel like it, but that's a choice you're making. You can always choose to praise God because it's a choice, not a feeling. We just sang the song, Offering. And the description is, I bring an offering of worship to my king. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. O Lord, I bring an offering to you. It's a recognition that I am choosing to bring this offering of praise. I am choosing to. It's a choice of the will, not a feeling. Then it goes on, I will sing to the Lord for. What does that word for mean? It gives us the reason why, right? I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. I will praise him because he has done this incredible thing. He has defeated my enemies. He has conquered my enemies. He has done what I could not do for myself. He saved us from Egypt. And I love as it goes on, he says, God, you've done this wonderful thing, so here's what I've learned about you. Lord, you are something personal to me. You did this wonderful thing, but you did it for me. And therefore, I can trust you as my strength, verse 2, and my song, and you have become my salvation. These are beautiful metaphors, and that's what music can do. It can take poetry, which again is a window into the soul. It penetrates our hearts. It gives us word pictures to meditate on. And here, this word, these word pictures are put into song. Lord, you are my strength. Now, is the Lord literally our strength? No, he's not. No, he's God. That's who he is literally. He's the God of heaven and earth. But when we say, Lord, you are my strength, it's a beautiful metaphor that describes for us, Lord, you are where I get my strength. You are the one I depend on. You're the one I look to for strength because I don't have strength in myself. And as you meditate on that metaphor, it opens up for us a beautiful picture. So when we sing that and meditate on it, think about it, it reveals some things about God that we could find no other way. Lord, you are my song. Is he literally a song? No. But that metaphor describes for us how he is the one who leads us to sing because of what he's done for us. He's the theme of our song. He's who we sing about. Lord, you are my song. 
You've become my salvation. Is he literally salvation? No, but he brought us salvation. And he has become the one who has saved us through this mighty act that he did. So Moses and Israel has moved in this song from, Lord, you did a great thing, to, wow, you are everything I need. You are what I need. We're going to sing in a moment, In Christ Alone. And it describes that, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, firm through the Red Sea, He is our firm ground. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. Again, it's a beautiful song that gives us a description of who he is to us. Because of what he's done in sending us Jesus, our salvation, our Red Sea experience, he's redeemed us, he's bought us out of sin and death, and, and given us life. Because he's done that, we can sing to him as our all in all and trust him to guide us day by day. So the songs, as we sing the songs of faith, of salvation, it helps us move from God, you are wonderful, declaring who he is, to a deeper faith, a deeper trust in him and understanding of him. Well, as the song goes on, in the next three sections, first of all, we see that in verse 3 through 5, songs, singing songs, remind us of truth. Let me read those verses, 3 through 5. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. This word for hurled is one that's used of throwing a stone or shooting an arrow. That God just gathered up Pharaoh and his army and just shot them into the sea and they just plummeted like a stone. You see, the song is reminding Israel of who, what God has done in this mighty act of deliverance, reminding them of truth. So it begins with this, God is a warrior. This is who he is. He is a warrior. He fights battles. He fought this battle for us. He is one who continues to fight battles and we can trust him. Now, don't we all want a warrior to fight for us? Every one of us. We need somebody to fight the enemies that are too strong for us that we cannot defeat on our own. And this song reminds us that God is a warrior, that we can trust him to fight those battles that we face every day. Now, later on, Israel rejected God as their warrior. Remember at 1 Samuel, they say, you know what, God, we want a king like everybody else. See, there's a part of us that wants a man to trust in rather than God. But singing these songs of salvation remind us that no man can be a warrior for us. No human leader. God is our warrior. He is the one we have to trust in. He's the one we're looking to. He did great things, and we can trust him to continue to do great things. So this song that Israel has continued to sing through all generations right up to today reminds them, God, you did something wonderful for us. You defeated our enemy. You defeated Egypt. 
And songs are wonderful for telling the old, old story that we should continue to repeat, though Jesus died 2,000 years ago, coming together as the people of God and singing the songs of salvation are a wonderful way to keep telling the story and remind us that what God did 2,000 years ago, that same God is at work today in my life, and I can trust Him. And it's singing the songs of salvation that allow us to continue to trust Him even today. So Moses in Israel declares, God, this is what you did. You defeated the enemy. And now in verse 6 and following, they turn from talking about God to speaking to God directly, expressing their praise to God. And that's what songs can do. It's a marvelous way to express our praise, our thanksgiving, to talk to God, to pray to Him, to let Him know what's on our hearts. Verse 6 and following, Your right hand, O Yahweh, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Our hearts are built to praise God and to acknowledge His majesty, His glory, His greatness. We're built for that. We're created for that. And songs are a primary way to express that. And here in this part of the song, we see that. We see them expressing their praise to God. I love the way he describes here. It's just you unleash your burning anger. It's like a fiery flame that destroys them like stubble. These people who are the mightiest army on earth, this Egyptian army and Pharaoh who's arrogant and strong and committed to destroy the people of God. We have enemies, folks, just like Israel did. But notice they're recounting how much more powerful God is than any of that. And what a great picture in verse 9. The enemy is boasting in their arrogance. I will pursue. I'll overtake them. I'll divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. It's like I'll just feast and fill myself With their remains, I will destroy them completely. I'll draw draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. So you see the arrogance of man. I'm going to take life in my own hands. I'm going to defeat the people of God. I will do what I want to do. We have those kind of enemies. The flesh, the world, Satan that are out to destroy us and declaring, I will do this. Notice the contrast between verse 1 and verse 9. Verse 1, Moses and the people are saying, I will sing to the Lord. I will exalt Him. I will praise Him. That's the commitment we're called to. When we try to take life in our own hands, we immediately become opposed to God. He becomes against us. And notice how great His power is. They're declaring, I'm going to destroy the people of God. And it says, and you just blew with your breath. And they were gone. 
Waters covered them. They were completely destroyed. Nothing left. Singing the songs of salvation remind us that God is so much greater than our enemies. Do we have enemies? Yes. Do they have any power over us? No. No. Not unless we choose to give it to Him because God is so much more powerful. And singing these songs keep the world in perspective. For us, Paul in Colossians, I think we could go to a number of places, but he gives a beautiful picture of how God has defeated our enemies. Colossians 2, verse 13 and following says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sinful nature, literally flesh, notice our enemies, sin, death, our own flesh, When we were dead in our sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He's talking about the law, the decrees that say you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. The condemnation that we're under apart from Christ. And he says... Jesus, when he died and you put your faith in him, took those decrees, all the things that says you're condemned, you're bad, you're evil, he nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the power and authorities, Satan and all his minions, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, that's our song of salvation, isn't it? That the enemies that Israel faced, Egypt... We're utterly defeated. The enemies we face, sin, death, our own flesh, condemnation, guilt, and ultimately the powers that be of Satan and his evil cohorts, it says they've all been defeated by the cross. So we can sing a song of salvation, can't we? That God has defeated all that. And songs are a wonderful way to express that praise. So in verse 11 and 12, he says, Because you've done all this, you defeated the enemy. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. No one compares to you. And songs help us remember that, Lord, we get afraid sometimes, we do face enemies, but no one compares to you. There's nothing else to trust in. Only you have defeated the enemies that we struggle with every day in our lives. You're majestic in power, great in your excellence. You work wonders and no one compares to you. Again, the song in Christ alone expresses it this way. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory... Sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. What a wonderful declaration. What a wonderful song that we can sing and meditate on and remind ourselves and express our praise to him for what he has done. We get so caught up in the world and I think that's one reason God gives us song of praise and has raised up people to write marvelous songs of praise throughout all the history of the church 
so that we can sing these and meditate on these and have them change our thinking and bring us back in this world where we struggle to the truth and connect our hearts and our heads to the reality that God is real and He is at work. So songs help us express our praise. And then the final section, songs help inspire our faith for the present and the future. They inspire our faith for the present and the future. Verse 13, In your unfailing love, your loyal love, your chesed, is the Hebrew word, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Now, they're not in their holy dwelling yet, and I know some of your translations translate this in the past tense. I think it's because, though they aren't there yet, they're expressing their confidence, their faith, that God will get them there. It's as good as done. Once God saves us, it's as good as done that He'll get us where we need to be. He's done the hardest part to save us. He will get us to where we need to be. And notice what he's expressing here. Lord, you have unfailing love and you have strength that overwhelms all the enemies. Love and strength. And this song declares that. You see, Moses and Israel has learned it from this act of salvation, this event in history. They've used it to inspire their faith and learn something about God. God, you are loving and you are strong. You are both. That helped them know that whatever they would go through in the future, in 40 years in the wilderness, conquering the land, and on and on throughout their history, as long as they went back to the song, they could have confidence and remember, God, this is who you are. This is how you've revealed yourself. By taking us through the Red Sea, you've proven that you're a God of absolute, loyal, committed, covenant love. And you're a God of absolute, complete power over all powers and authorities anywhere it's the same for us our act of salvation that we look back on is the cross but the cross is the greatest picture in all of history greater than the red sea that god is a god of complete loyal covenant love for us and a god of powerful strength and those are the two things that we need to always keep in balance as we think about god as we think about trusting him no matter what you're going through I know many of you, and we all get to this place, and many, maybe some of you today are doubting God's love. How could God love me? I'm such a failure. Or, God, life is so hard. Circumstances are hard. I, I don't feel your love. I don't see your love. How can I know you really love me? Well, the song of salvation, the reminder to look at the cross and God's salvation reminds us that no matter what we're going through, there is always proof that God loves us and He is strong enough to trust in. And that's the cross, where He expressed His incredible love to die for us. And He expressed His incredible power to defeat all our enemies forever. So no matter what you're going through, go back to the cross. Sing songs about the cross, what Jesus did for you, because that is how you'll be firm and secure in his love. A couple of songs we're going to sing in a moment express this. Alleluia, your love makes me sing. Alleluia, 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 your love makes me sing. Your love is amazing, steady, and unchanging. 
The same love that saved us, sent Jesus to die on the cross, is the love that we can depend on now. Your love is a mountain, firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me. When I am surrounded, your love carries me. When I'm surrounded by difficulty, I know you love me. And we declare that in a song like this. We'll sing how great thou art in a moment. And when I think that God, his son, not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Are you doubting God's love? Then sing a song that declares it and let it penetrate to your heart so that you can trust in his love in the midst of whatever you're going through. So Moses in Israel declares, you're loving and you're strong. And then he goes on, they go on to declare... God, my future is in your hands. Your promises are true. Listen to what they say in verse 14 and following. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, O Yahweh until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. Again, a beautiful poetic picture. God had brought them across the Red Sea and now he's looking ahead 40 years. Moses and Israel are looking ahead 40 years, realizing they are going to have to go and face the Philistines and the Moabites and the Edomites, these enemies that are ahead of them, and the Canaanites. And yet they're looking ahead and saying, it's as good as done. Lord, just like you parted the Red Sea, you're going to part the nations. They'll be terrified and they'll stand still as a stone. We can trust you, Lord, because you're loving and you're strong. And so in the song, they're looking to the future by faith. And the song is being used by God to inspire their faith as they will spend the next 40 years in the wilderness. It's the same for us. You see, we need to sing songs of faith and trust in God that God, our future is in your hands. Because we forget that God's in control. And so the songs remind us, God, you did this wonderful thing. I've learned that you are loving and you are strong, and therefore I can trust you for my future. Even though the future is unknown to me, it's not unknown to you, God. You began my salvation, you will finish it. You'll get us to heaven. You'll make us Christ-like. You'll complete the process so I can trust you to take me on that path and lead me to salvation. See, it's a wonderful declaration of faith. And that's what singing can do. That's what good songs can do with good words. They inspire our faith for the future, to trust God. Then the song ends this way, verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. God's established his kingdom on earth. They're saying, because you did this mighty act, you intervened in a miraculous way, I know your kingdom is here now and I can trust you to be working in my life and to expand your kingdom on earth. Same for us. 
When God invaded the world, sent Jesus to live and die and be resurrected, God proved my kingdom is here and Jesus declared the kingdom is here now. It is near you. It is with you. It is within you if you believe in me. And so the song helps us remember that God's reign is now on earth. He hasn't completely taken over the earth, but he's here. And every time we trust him, his, his reign expands. There's wonderful songs of declaring our faith here, and I just want to read again from How Great Thou Art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great thou art. I will see you. My future is in your hands. And then in Christ alone again, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. What a marvelous statement of faith. God, because of what you've done, Nobody could take me out of your hand and I will stand firm now trusting you because I know you're there. And as we sing songs, see, it allows that to penetrate our hearts so our faith can be strong and growing. We are forgetful. And so God in his mercy and grace has given us songs. Songs of praise, songs of truth, We need to gather together as the people of God, just as we're doing this morning. We need to do it regularly to sing the songs of salvation, to sing the songs of praise, to remind ourselves of truth, to express our praise to Him and to inspire our faith. It's important that we do it for a number of reasons. We need to come together to declare our commitment. I will sing to you whether I feel like it or not. I will come and I will gather with your people and I will praise you whether I feel like it or not. We need to sing to remind one another of the truth of our salvation. We are forgiven and we're cleansed. God has saved us and we want to remind ourselves of that great truth. We need to come together to sing to express our praise to God for who He is and what He's done. You're loving and you're strong. We need to come together and sing songs of praise to inspire our faith so that when we go out of here and we face life, the songs can keep running on our heads, through our heads and encourage us even when life is hard and we face our enemies. We need to sing songs of praise because it's part of bringing the kingdom of God on earth. Heaven breaks through when we sing. It's our rehearsal for heaven. And as we sing, the kingdom of God is expanded because our faith is expanded. And we need to sing because it bonds us together as the people of God. It reminds us we're all here together. We're all learning to trust Him and walk with Him and to sing praises to Him. The passage ends this way, 19 through 21. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went to the sea, into the sea, Yahweh brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. They were praising God with music and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled 
into the sea. Now many scholars think that Miriam here was not just leading the women, but in fact she was leading the entire nation of Israel in worship with her tambourine as she sang. And she's calling them to praise him, sing to the Lord. She sings here, recounts the first verse of the Song of Moses that we just looked at. And many scholars think that she's repeating the first verse because she's actually teaching them to sing the entire song. She's leading them in worship. Well, God has given us Adrienne as a worship leader to lead us in worship, to lead us into his presence, to recount the songs. Adrienne works hard because I work with her. I see how hard she works to make sure the songs that we sing when we worship together are full of truth, recount the songs of salvation. We sing to God. We sing about God. They inspire our faith. By design, they fit into the passage. So I want to ask Adrienne in just a moment. I'll pray first. But I want her to come up and lead us in worship as she does every Sunday. Lead us into, pre- into God's presence to remind us of truth and to help us express our praise to him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together and hear your word taught and look at this wonderful example of a song of praise to you that has inspired the nation of Israel all through their history. Help us, Lord, to sing songs of praise to you and may they inspire us to trust you in our lives day by day by day until we come into your presence. So, Lord, we open up our hearts now and we give you an offering of praise as a choice whether we feel like it or not. And Lord, also as we give you our financial offering now, as we give you back just a portion of what you've given us, thank you for taking care of our needs. And may you use this offering now to further your kingdom here at Cole and here on earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.